Welcome to podcast episode 256. I'm Stuart McCullough, I'm the CEO of VHA, and joining me for today's discussion is Senior Workplace Relations Consultant, Daniel Pullen. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you, Stuart. Daniel, you know the drill. Uh, we're going to show a clue, and on the basis of that clue, you're going to guess as to the subject for today's discussion. That footage is on screen now. Natal's had a set point on his own serve. He's got to save one on his own serve here. So for the benefit of those people who are listening to this podcast rather than watching, can you describe what it is you've just seen? That is some footage of champion tennis player Rafael Nadal bouncing the ball and then serving the tennis ball. And would you, how would you describe the time taken to serve the tennis ball? Was it a short time, uh, an, an ordinary period of time, or a long time? Look, I would describe it as a long time. Uh, I think uh, Rafael Nadal has a has a tendency to bounce the ball uh, quite a number of times before he serves it. Okay, so we don't have a short service, we have a long service. A long service. And on the basis of that clue, what would you say the subject for today's discussion is? I feel like you've really put this on a platter for me, Stuart. Um, both the clue, probably not so much the clue, but really leading me in by saying about it being long service. Usually I would say music therapy, but I don't think I'll get away with that today. I, I do, I have to say it must be long service leave. Uh, that is correct. I, I served it up on a platter because I thought that was necessary under the circumstances, but uh, long service leave it is, and in particular long service leave under the two uh, agreements applying to doctors, that is the doctors and training agreement and the medical specialist agreement. And today we're going to be focusing on the changes to those terms uh, that are found at uh, clause 68 of the doctors and training agreement and clause 55 of the medical specialists agreement. And look, this is a complex topic, um, and thankfully, a substantial proportion of the changes are common to both the doctors in training and medical specialist agreements. So we'll spend most of our podcast today working through these common changes, and where they occur, highlight any changes that are unique to a specific agreement. Um, but before we get into the detail, let's take a step back and do a bit of a helicopter view. There's an underpinning theme uh, that uh, guides a lot of these changes. So, Daniel, it's correct to say, is it not, that the long service leave clauses receive the same kind of review and alignment for commonality of structure uh, that was done under other agreements, such as the Health and Allied Services Managers and Admin and the Nurses and Midwives Agreements? Yeah, that's correct. Um, the bargaining parties had access to the expertise of Clayton Oots, who supported the bargaining parties across all agreements during the previous round of bargaining in the review of the long service leave clauses in particular. And there is a, a key thing that we're going to keep returning to in just a moment, but let's start first of all with the definitions that are at subclause one. I understand work was done to align the provisions of the state long service leave act with the agreement where it deals with casual doctors or internal locums under the medical specialist agreement. Work was done, and there's value in briefly, in briefly saying that the Fair Work Act prescribes at section uh, 113 that an employee is only entitled to long service leave in accordance with their applicable state or territory long service leave laws, where that employee doesn't have a pre-modernised award entitlement to long service leave. Okay, and we're going to return to that issue of alignment with the Long Service Leave uh, Act in, in a moment. But just in terms of that proposition of Section 113, that 
you know, if you don't have an entitlement under a pre-modern award, then it's the applicable state of territory legislation. In practical terms, what does it mean for this cohort? So what it means for the context in the context of doctors is that all doctors within Victorian public health, except for casual doctors, and that includes internal locums under the medical specialist agreement, had a pre-modern award entitlement to long service leave. And what that does is it overrides the state long service leave act and elevates their baseline entitlement to that of the pre-modern award. However, casual doctors don't have a pre-modern award entitlement to long service leave which means their entitlement is derived from the State Long Service Leave Act, and this required consideration within the clause. So let's start with doctors in training, and let's go in particular to subclause 68.1, F, Roman numeral 2. And what that clause provides, and it is up on screen, is for a casual doctor, means the remuneration for the doctor's normal weekly hours of work at their ordinary pay calculated in accordance with section 15 and 16 of the LSL Act. And for medical specialists, subclause 55.1 F Roman 3 is on screen. For an internal locum doctor, means a remuneration for the doctor's normal weekly hours of work at their ordinary pay calculated in accordance with section 15 and 16 of the LSL Act. Relevantly, the term LSL Act is defined as the Long Service Leave Act 2018 VIC. So just to put that in context, those are really definitions around pay. Yeah. Uh, and it's referring to the long, relying on the Long Service Leave Act because for that group, for that cohort of casual doctors and internal locums, the Long Service Leave Act reflects the minimum entitlement uh, as such. So let's take a slight deviation from the agreement and, and talk about what sections 15 and 16 of the Long Service Leave Act actually uh, provide. What do they do? Um, Dan, I'll take us through those two sections of the Long Service Leave Act. Yes, yeah, so section 15 of the Long Service Leave Act defines ordinary pay and ordinary time rate of pay. So while we won't replicate the Long Service Leave Act here, in short, casuals or internal locums, as their hours aren't fixed and or their hours change, the ordinary time rate of pay calculation will be relevant in determining the remuneration for periods of long service leave. So that takes us through uh, section 15. What about section 16 of the Act? So section 16 of the Act uh, provides for how to calculate the average weekly number of hours worked if no normal weekly number hours of worked are fixed for an employee under the relevant employment agreement. So continuing the assumption that a doctor in training is correctly classified as casual and a medical specialist who is a locum doctor is uh, correctly classified, this is their only, uh, it's only their long service leave uh, that is calculated in the manner that's prescribed by the Long Service Leave Act. Correct. Um, and this method of calculation is limited to DITs classified as casual and medical specialists as locum doctors. One of the things that jumps out for me, Daniel, in terms of the changes, there's a change within the definition of pay. It's subclause 55.1F of the Medical Specialists Agreement, and it doesn't appear in the definition of the DIT, a definition of pay. Could you take us through that? Yeah, correct, and it doesn't come up in the DIT definition. Um, it is a specific change uh, in the Medical Specialist Agreement to address a loophole that existed in the previous Medical Specialist Agreement where a fractional doctor with less than two years of employment as a specialist immediately prior to taking their long service leave could have their hours of work as a DIT captured in the calculation. So we'll place on screen the clause now provides that save that 
in the case of fractional doctors and intern, internal locum doctors, any averaging of normal weekly hours will be taken to exclude periods of employment other than as a doctor covered by this agreement or its predecessors. So in the context of a specialist, you're taking into account for averaging purposes hours as a specialist as opposed to a doctor in training. Uh, and I think um, there were instances where we found that uh, where somebody accessed leave early on in their career as a specialist, there was it, it distorted the hours yeah. uh, as such. And it meant the hours uh, of the leave entitlement didn't genuinely reflect the, the engagement as it then was. Correct. Um, so it means that the effect is that only hours that are performed uh, within the scope of the medical specialist agreement will be captured when calculating a fractional doctor's pay for long service leave purposes. But moving on to subclause two, entitlement. Uh, here is where we find that, that most, uh, the most substantial change for long service leave terms for these agreements. Could you just take us through those changes? So members will note that from 1 July this year, a doctor in training or a medical specialist can access pro rata long service leave from seven years. So this reduction in the period of continuous service required to access pro rata long service leave is now shown on screen. So subject to subclause 55.4D, the entitlement under subclause 55.2A may be taken in advance on a pro rata basis if the doctor has accrued continuous service of at least 10 years, and then from 1 July 21, nine years, from 1 July 22, eight years, and from 1 July 23, seven years. So just for the, to round that out, when we're talking about the, these are about points of access, it's still pro rata of the six months uh, at 15 years, uh, uh, six months at 15 years, uh, which is afforded by both agreements. This is really access to that entitlement at an earlier point on a pro rata basis. That's correct. Um, so previously, a doctor could access pro rata long service leave at 10 years. This clause reflects a movement across the Victorian public health sector towards the pro rata at seven year arrangement. And when we move on to subclause three, calculating continuous service, there are some provisions now about how to calculate that continuous service for casual doctors in training and internal locums. That's correct. And an extract from the DIT clause uh, is on screen and it provides as follows. That continuous casual employment means, for the purpose of clause 68.3b, a period or periods of employment as a casual doctor or another form of casual employment with the same health service that are taken to be continuous because one of the following applies. A, the period starting at the end of a particular instance of employment and ending at the start of another particular instance of employment did not exceed the greater of the allowable period of absence or 12 weeks. And B, that the doctor had been employed by a health service on a regular and systematic basis, and the doctor had a reasonable expectation of being re-engaged by the same health service. C, the gap between engagements was due to the terms of engagement of the casual doctor. D, the gap between engagements was caused by seasonal factors, or E, the doctor and health service agreed before the start of an absence to treat the employment as continuous despite the absence. Just in terms of this, um, this provision about continuous casual employment, uh, where was that sourced from? So as mentioned earlier, casual doctors are absent of a pre-modern award entitlement to long service leave, which means their entitlement is derived from the State Long Service Leave Act. Specific to casuals, Section 12.3 of the State Long Service Leave Act provides for how to determine continuous employment for casual or seasonal employees. 
But the agreement's taken the method to determine continuous employment for casual or seasonal employees from the state on service leave act and amended it to align with the language that's relevant to doctors. That's correct. So I do recall that we spent time during bargaining on one of the claims uh, regarding breaks between periods of employment, where a doctor ceases being a doctor in training and then obtains employment as a medical specialist. Uh, how was that claim addressed? So the parties agreed to address breaks greater than the allowable period of absence due to delays in registration beyond the doctor's control, but not limited to APRA-related delays. So just to pick up on that point then, uh, and that it's not limited to APRA-related delays, although it's probably fair to say that's the most obvious cause of potential delay. That's correct. And an extract of the relevant clause 55.3C Roman 5 in the Medical Specialist Agreement is provided on screen. Uh, so any absence that is greater than the allowable period of absence that arises due to delays in obtaining the doctor's specialist registration through APRA. With respect to subclause 55.3C Roman 6, while the clause specifically refers to delays in obtaining the doctor's specialist registration through APRA, this should be read as non-exhaustive. So for the purpose of uh, periods that count towards continuous service, from the commencement of the agreement, there were some periods of unpaid absence that, that now count for service. That's correct. And the below extract from the DIT agreement at subclause 63.8B Roman 8 provides as follows, that in the case of unpaid absences not otherwise referenced in this subclause, subject to clause 68.6, that on and from the commencement of the agreement, that any period of unpaid leave taken on account of illness or injury, a period of parental leave, including parental leave that is extended under clause 67.12, and the first 52 weeks of any other type of unpaid leave, not specifically referenced in this subclause. I'm just gonna uh, put a pin in it and say that uh, we said before that there was a theme that guided many of these changes, and, and uh, this is one of those that connects to that theme, but. Taking all of that into account, so it's it's the case now that for parental leave, uh, all other forms of unpaid leave not referenced in the subclause that commence after the agreement came into effect, those periods are deemed service for the purposes uh, for the purpose of calculating continuous service. That's correct, and those periods are treated the same as paid leave and contribute to service and the calculation of a doctor's long service leave entitlement. So that brings us back to our theme. What was the reason for that change? So from 1 November 2018, the Victorian Long Service Leave Act was amended to recognise such periods. And while this was strictly an existing entitlement for casual DITs or, or internal locums, to promote commonality, this became part of a common entitlement across the Victorian public health sector agreements. It's really part of that shift to get um, to align the Long Service Leave provisions more completely with the State Long Service Leave Act. Yes. Um, I think that takes us on to subclause four, uh, the taking of leave. And um, I understand for subclause four, there are really no changes here other than some minor redrafting in the arrangement. That's correct. And relevantly, there's no distinct difference between the taking of leave for a DRT or medical specialist in comparison to the wider Victorian public health sector. And can the same be said for subclause four, payment uh, for payment on termination of employment? Yes, so that's again minor redraft and arranging and consistent with the wider sector. There is a change, however, it's up for six. Um, so public holidays is new, but it's uh, the, the change is brief. Uh, can you take us to that? 
It is, and it is a very brief edition, but the below extract has been taken from the DRT's agreement. It's on screen now. It provides as follows at 68.6, uh, that long service leave is inclusive of, not a, in addition to, public holidays that occur during the relevant period of leave. Uh, which is really a clarification, and this seems to replicate the status quo, uh, really, with respect to long service leave as a continuous period, which isn't interrupted or extended by public holidays. Yeah, that's correct. Moving on to subclause seven then, which uh, which probably holds the title for the longest uh, subclause, transitional arrangements for parental leave taken after 1 November 2018 and before the commencement date of this agreement. Uh, take us beyond the long title if you could and just take us through uh, what the provisions actually mean. I feel like that subclause title could be, you know, the title of a new Billie Eilish album or something quite, you know, quite cool and hip. But to uh, give you effect... just, um, you've just displayed your age there. Um, that is actually the title of a Fiona Apple album. I think you'll find. <laughs> so to give effect to this subclause, we need to refer back to what we discussed earlier, uh, and that's the addition of unpaid parental leave as a form of service that contributes to continuous service. Uh, and this clause provides the ability for periods of unpaid parental leave after 1 November 2018 and the commencement of the agreement to be deemed service through an application process. That's correct. And uh, again, we provided an extract from the DIT agreement and that's on screen. So it's at 68.7 um, and the, the title is provided on screen. Um, it does provide note one, unpaid parental leave taken prior to 1 November 2018 does not count as continuous service unless otherwise agreed. Note two provides that unpaid parental leave taken after the commencement date of this agreement will constitute continuous service. I'll just jump in but there. What the interesting thing about those two notes, it instantly identifies a gap in time. Yes. Prior to 1 November 2018 and the commencement of this agreement. But I suspect you're just about to tell me what happens with respect to that gap. Look, I hope so, because uh, that's what the clause is trying to do. So it provides it, A, that uh, as an exception to clause 68.3b, a doctor who took a period of unpaid parental leave that is included in any part of the period between 1 November 2018 and the commencement date of this agreement may make an application to the health service to have that service recognised for long service leave purposes. The health service will approve the application and provide to the doctor an updated certificate of service reflecting the adjusted service arrangements. Uh, at then at B, a doctor electing to make an application under 68.5a and 68.6a must make the application to the health service no later than six months of the following, whichever occurs last. So at Roman 1, uh, the date on which this agreement commences, or Roman 2, the date on which the doctor returns to work after the qualifying period of unpaid parental leave. Then finally at C, this clause 68.7 shall also apply to a doctor in respect of a former health service if the doctor took a qualifying unpaid period of parental leave under this clause while employed by that former health service. Just in terms of where we're at at the moment, uh, Daniel, uh, in terms of that six months from the date the agreement commences? Uh, so this agreement uh, was approved by the Fair Work Commission in November last year. So uh, doctors would have until around this time next month to have those applications through. Uh, yes. Um, it would be so that there's a small period of time, but also those people who are uh, on parental leave have, yes. have, will have longer. But just the, the key message for that subclause is the doctor can have their period of unpaid parental leave between the, that gap of 1 November 2018 and the commencement of the agreement counted. They've got to do that application 
within the six months of the agreement commencing or within six months of returning to work after the period of unpaid parental leave. Um, but yes, that's that's correct. But I just would add to that, in some agreements, employers, rather than what, insisting on an application process, have gone and identified those people. And if uh, health services uh, are open to doing that, that is something that we would um, that we would strongly encourage wherever wherever possible. Um, Daniel, can you take us to the uh, penultimate subclause, uh, subclause eight records? Uh, this is a new term, but it's it's pretty much self-explanatory. Yes, Stuart. So before we get to subclause eight, which deals with records, I might just for the benefit of those that are watching and listening, uh, just clarify that the medical specialist agreement was approved, uh, was commenced operating, sorry, on the 3rd of November, which would mean that doctors would have to have these applications through uh, to have those periods of uh, unpaid parental leave recognised, those applications would have to be provided to the health services by the 3rd of May, being six months from the date the agreement came uh, into operation. Doctors in training came into operation on the 9th of November, so those doctors in training would have until the 9th of May to make those applications. Uh, and except for those people, of course, who are on parental leave during that period uh, or since the agreement commenced, they have they have longer. Correct. They would have six months from from the date of the end of their unpaid parental leave period. Well, just returning then to subclause eight mm. records. Um, so yeah, the penultimate clause uh, eight. Uh, it is new. Uh, it is self-explanatory. Uh, but for completeness, it is an ext an extract from the medical specialist agreement is provided on screen, uh, and it provides that the health service will keep a long service leave record for each doctor containing particulars of service leave taken and payment made. And. Uh, that takes us then to the final subclause, which is subclause nine, protection of pre-existing entitlement. It does, uh, and this acts as a way to ensure that there's no unintended consequences that occur. The clause from the medical specialist agreement is provided on screen at 55.9, and it provides that no doctor shall suffer any detriment as a result of the operation of this clause to their entitlement to long service leave, existing immediately prior to the coming in of the force of this clause. Daniel, thank you so much for taking us through the changes to the long service leave clauses under the medical specialists and doctors in training agreement. Wonderful. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you.